This morning, we are starting our last series of the summer titled Fishtails. And every good fishing story has a perceived level of embellishment or unbelievability. In a similar manner, there are stories in the Bible uh, of God's miracles and God's wonders that can sometimes feel like fishtails. Over the next four weeks, we're going to be exploring different fish stories in the Bible that give testimony to who God is, what he's capable of doing, and how it impacts and transforms our lives. Uh, to start off by a show of hands, <clears throat> who here has ever gone out to lunch with a bunch of coworkers or maybe gone out with a group of friends to celebrate something? Go ahead and raise your hands proudly. All right, good. I'm, I'm hoping that's most of you. Go ahead and put your hands down. There comes a moment in the dining experience where the wait staff comes out and they ask you a question. They say, is this together or, or separate? One of two things happens at this point. You see, you either have one person become the most beloved person of the group, pull out their wallet and say, I got it, while we all kind of pretend like we're going for ours and say, ah, man, beat me. Or we say separate. Let's pretend for a minute that we say separate. It's yelled so you receive your receipt, but you look at the price of your meal and it doesn't add up to what's on the menu. You ordered the bacon cheeseburger with fries. And to be healthy, you got water to drink. But when you look at the receipt, it says you got a Mountain Dew and you got extra fries that made your meal a whopping $4 more than what it was. In those moments, what do you find yourselves doing? Maybe it's just the, the Dutchman in me, but from time to time, uh, I'm probably most likely going to Talk to the man, not manager, but talk to our waitress, see if they can, they can figure it out and get the right price. Because I don't want to pay for something I don't have to, or I shouldn't have to pay for. See, our fish tale today centers around a story where Jesus has a willingness to pay for something he shouldn't have to pay for. As we explore today's passage, we'll gain a greater understanding of what drives Jesus' decision and discover what it looks like to emulate what he does in our own lives. Our scripture for today comes from Matthew 17, verses 24 through 27. And our scripture reader is Terry Downs. So Terry, would you please come to the center of the room? And if you're able, would you please rise and stand face the center of the room for the reading of God's word? We do this to remind us of the centrality of scripture in our lives and how it's supposed to be the primary lens to which we view the world. Whenever you're ready, Terry. After Jesus and his disciples arrived in Capernaum, the collectors of the two drachma temple tax came to Peter and asked, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? Yes, he does, he replied. When Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of the earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? From others, Peter answered. Then the children are exempt, Jesus said to him. But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find a four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. Thank you, Terry. You can all be seated. Our passage today finds Jesus and his disciples arriving in Capernaum being approached by some collectors of the temple tax. Now, the temple tax was a required uh, once-a-year payment for Jewish males over the age of 20 
that was used for the upkeep of the temple and for sacrifices. And this half shekel or two drachma temple tax wasn't a large sum of money. Uh, in Jesus' day, it was relatively the equivalence of two uh, days' wages. It says that Peter was approached and asked whether his teacher paid the temple tax. And one might ask, why was Peter approached instead of Jesus himself? And there's a couple reasons why this could have happened. One was that this was outside of Peter's home in Capernaum. And so because he was the male of the household, they approached him about it. Another idea might be that the collectors were attempting to prove that Jesus was disloyal to the temple and not following the law. After being confronted by this temple tax collector, uh, Peter enters his house and is asked a question from Jesus. It says, when Peter came into the house, Jesus was the first to speak. What do you think, Simon? He asked. From whom do the kings of earth collect duty and taxes? From their own children or from others? For Peter, these questions may have probably given him a bit of deja vu. Because just a short time earlier, while in Caesarea Philippi on his way to Capernaum, Jesus would ask him two very similar questions. He would ask, what about you? Who do you say I am? To which Peter would declare that Jesus was Messiah and the Son of God. Just as those questions would have Peter declare him as Son of God, in this moment when Jesus asked, what do you think? From whom do the earth collect duty and taxes? Jesus was declaring and reminding Peter of who he was. Both Peter and Jesus would agree that others would have to pay, not the children. And what Jesus was doing here was making sure that Peter and his disciples knew that because the temple was his father's house, he did not have to pay the tax and he shouldn't have to pay the tax. But directly following that statement, Jesus tells him to pay the tax. In verse 27, Jesus says, But so that we may not cause offense, go to the lake and throw out your line. Take the first fish you catch, open its mouth, and you will find four drachma coin. Take it and give it to them for my tax and yours. As we dive into Jesus' response here, we'll see that his words and intentions are just drenched with humility. And as we explore the task that he puts before Peter, we'll find that he's been challenged to follow suit. And so have we. Jesus said that he would still pay the tax even though he didn't have to. But here he states why he's going to pay. He would pay the tax not for his own sake, but for the sake of others. He would do so to cause no offense. Now when I hear that phrase, cause no offense, my mind instantly goes to that little kid who makes you feel secure and shakes the foundation of your confidence. That kid that says, hey, no offense, but that shirt doesn't look very good on you. Or, or going to the beach and having that kid come up to you and say, hey, no offense, but uh, your chest and belly look like a smiley face. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about, though. That's not the cause, no offense. This doesn't mean that he did what he did because he didn't want people mad or to get offended. The Greek word used here for offense is skandalizo, which means to make stumble or to obstruct another's path. He wanted to make sure that his actions would not hinder the potential for these people to come to eventually believe and receive the good news of Jesus' mission, 
the mission of the gospel. Even though Jesus didn't have to or deserve to pay the tax to keep others from stumbling, he was willing to pay it. Part of living a life of humility is living in a way uh, where we pursue causing no offense, where we let our actions and our words be delivered in such a way that it doesn't obstruct others' paths to receiving and believing the good news of Jesus. A humble life of causing no offense can take the form of how we conduct ourselves on a daily basis. Do we, in our daily actions and interactions, emulate biblical values and the values of Jesus? We can also live into causing no offense through the way that we communicate those biblical truths that we believe in to those who choose to live outside of its parameters. Are we thoughtful and empathetic of how we are saying what we're saying and how others are receiving what it is we're saying? If we present truth in a format that closes people off from receiving it, are we truly being faithful? There's a reality that some truth is harsh and in its nature will make people mad or maybe hurt some feelings. But are we relying on the Holy Spirit for our timing and delivery or our own moral or religious validation? There's a time and a place where we have to deliver harsh truth. But who is informing that delivery and timing? Is it us or is it the Spirit? When we share truth or we find ourselves in cultural circumstances we don't agree with, do we speak and act in a way that doesn't cause people to stumble in their path towards Jesus? We are called to speak and act in a way that pushes people towards him, not pushes them away. In our passage, Jesus would continue to show his humility through his reliance on God's provision. Now Jesus was the master of miracles himself and he could have summoned money to give to Peter in that moment on his own power, but he chose to go a different route. He would rely on God to financially provide through a miracle. One of the best ways that we can emulate living a life of humility is through relying on God's provision in our lives and not our own. When we do this, we humble ourselves by acknowledging that it is God who is in control and not ourselves. This doesn't mean that we just sit back and uh, do nothing and just wait for God to show up in an amazing way. Uh, although God is capable of making something from nothing, relying on his provision also requires taking action. Maybe it looks like praying for God to provide a job, but sending all our applications to multiple places and networking out in the community. For Jesus, he trusted God would provide, but it still required him telling Peter what he needed to do and Peter obediently following. Relying on God's provision requires a trust as we live faithfully in him that he will provide enough for us to get through whatever he's going to put us through. But it's important to note that sometimes his provision doesn't turn out exactly the way that we plan. Sometimes it looks different than our own expectations. Jesus allowing the tax to be paid through the miracle of Peter catching the fish with the coin in its mouth 
would show that a price of humility is trusting and relying on God's provision. At the end of our passage, Jesus tells Peter to take money from the fish and pay the tax for both of them. And his willingness to do that would show his humility to submit. A willingness to submit. And as we addressed earlier, he didn't have to pay, but it was in his nature and character to willingly submit to what it was that God placed before him. He was willing to pay the price for something he did not deserve. And just as he would be willing to pay the temple tax, he didn't have to. He would later display the same willing submission on the cross. To pay the price for the sin of the world he didn't deserve to pay. If we long to live a life that emulates Jesus' humility, there will be moments where we'll have to be willing to submit even when we feel like it's not our price to pay. Or maybe we feel like we've already paid the price. A huge piece of humility is living our lives with a willingness to submit to whatever it is God has called us to. Sometimes this is uncomfortable. Sometimes it's tiring. Sometimes God calls us to serve one more year in children's ministry when we're kind of done with it. Sometimes God calls us to let that kid stay in our household because they know he needs it, even though we don't have the capacity to do it. Are we willing to submit to what it is God is calling us to do in our lives, whether great or small? Jesus displays a great example of what it looks like to live in humility, but there's also a lot to be learned from Peter on the subject through the task that is placed before him. One of the ways Peter would practice humility, assuming he, he fulfills what God is, uh, asked, Jesus has asked him to do, was through his faith. Peter's faith came from hearing and trusting in Jesus' words and having a history of seeing Christ's faithfulness. Think of how specifically far-fetched and out there Jesus' request was. To pay the temple tax, he wanted Peter to go to the lake throw out one line, catch one fish with a specific amount of money to pay for both he and Jesus. He had faith in what Jesus said because he had a personal relationship with him and had seen him deliver in circumstances time and time again. In a similar manner, we, we practice humility in our lives when we decide to put our faith in Jesus. Jesus instead of ourselves. As we come to know him in a greater capacity through the word of God and the Holy Spirit starts to reveal who he is, what he's capable of, and how he's changing our lives and where he's calling us to go, he gives us greater strength to follow him wherever he leads us. No matter how uncomfortable or far-fetched it seems. I find myself right now in a season where I must embrace humility through having faith in the plan that God has for me. For almost a decade, I've been incredibly blessed to uh, lead our, our youth ministry here at TFRC. But over the last few years, it's been pretty clear that God has directing, been directing me towards a different role in the life and ministry of this church. And there's going to come a time where I need to transition out of this one that I love and I feel so comfortable in into a different capacity to where God's leading me next. 
We officially started that process in this last year. And through this process, sometimes it's been a struggle for me to keep that faith in God's plan. Because he's done some incredible things in the life of our youth ministry in the last year. There are students stepping up in leadership. Relationships being cultivated. Numbers growing. Faith developing. And students making decisions to follow Jesus. As this has all been happening, I find myself routinely asking, why am I leaving? Is this what you want from me, God? It's fun. It comes relatively easy at this point. It's going well, and and I love the students so much. But I must humble myself and have faith in this plan that I've seen God clearly and unclearly show me and place me on. It's one thing to have faith. It's another to act obediently towards it. Peter would show his humility through the obedience to Jesus' instructions. His obedience would be a tangible sign of his faith. When we act obediently to the way Jesus calls us to live, we humble ourselves by no longer acting by what we want in our lives, but instead by what he wants for us. We humble ourselves by putting God's plan for our lives over our own. I wonder in the moment where Peter's given these directions, if he's kind of like, well, Jesus, I think I have a few better ideas uh, for getting some money. Uh, What if I just got a bunch of fish, and odds are there's going to be more money in more fish than in one fish? Or maybe he's like, oh, I got a buddy down the road who's pretty rich. He could maybe loan us just enough money. When God places before us an opportunity for obedience, do we usually find ourselves following through Or do we try to figure out on our own how to get to where he's trying to put us? Try to get there on our own terms. Is there a situation in your life right now where God has been asking you to humble yourself in obedience? Peter, putting his faith in Jesus and obediently following his instructions would require one last aspect of humility. See, Capernaum was a a professional fishing hub where people commercially fished with nets. Not a place where one would go out with just a line and a hook to catch one fish. Remember that before being a disciple, Peter was from Capernaum and he was a professional fisherman. So all of the fishermen in this area would have been peers in competition in trade. Being a fisherman out on a lake with a line and a hook would have been embarrassing. It would have made him feel pretty dumb. There would have been a level of humiliation in that circumstance. But just like the fish would swallow his hook, so too would Peter swallow his pride. The day Jesus asked Peter to drop what he was doing to follow him, Peter was no longer a fisherman, but a fisher of men. And sometimes when we're living our lives obediently to Jesus... He puts us in a position that forces us to stand out. Sometimes in a way that makes us have to swallow our pride and embrace his ways over our ways or the world's ways. As a fisherman, he should have caught lots of fish. But as a fisher of men, in this instance, he was directed to catch one. 
when we decide to follow Jesus and become fishers of men, it is no longer about what we do, but about why we do what we do. He swallowed his pride and did what he did because it's what Jesus told him to do. When we make that decision to follow Jesus, it should change our intentions and end game for what we do, for why we do what we do. We no longer do what we do for us, but instead humble ourselves and do it for the sake of the kingdom, for the sake of giving God glory and making him bigger. Through exploring the miraculous fishtail, we learn so much from Jesus and Peter about what it looks like and the cost of living a life of humility. We learn that it's a life defined by putting the needs of God's and others above ourselves. It's a life of reliance and willing submission. And we learn that living a life of humility requires faith and obedience and sometimes a swallowing of our pride. As we attempt to live lives rooted in humility, we need to remember that being humble is not about making us less. But ultimately, it's about elevating others and making God greater. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your word and for what it teaches us. And God, we pray that as we continue our lives, we seek to live with humility making you bigger in all that we do, trying to cause people not to stumble, living in faith and obedience. God, be with those here today that, that need to answer that call to obedience. And we ask that you be with those today that are struggling here too. We love you, Lord, and it's in your name we pray. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And all God's people said, amen. amen. Have a great week.